Everyone, welcome again. My name is Lance Marshall. I am one of the junior varsity pastors here at the First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth, and I am so thankful that you have joined us here today. This is the gathering. Uh, this is a, a service that emphasizes teaching. Uh, it emphasizes some really deep engagement with Scripture. We're going to do both of those things today. Uh, and one of the things that I try to do whenever I can is teach you what's going on in the Christian faith. Now, sometimes that's really simple things, like just pointing out the page number that the Scripture is going to be in. Sometimes it includes, uh, you know, really walking you through some finer points of Christian theology and doctrine, Methodist doctrine and theology particularly. Uh, sometimes it's just letting you know what today is. Today is a special day, by the way. If you ever see, if you ever see white, like an all-white altar, and if you ever see, uh, what's the zhuzhi stuff? What's this? What's this called? Tool. If you ever see tools on the altar, it is, it is a special day. It is a special day. This just is a holiday. White is a celebration day. Christmas is one of these days. Easter is one of these days. The first Sunday in November is one of these days. What day is it? TCU beat Texas Day. Yeah. It is All Saints Day. I was at the game, and as a graduate of TCU and Texas, I was just yelling. <laughs> I was just yelling all day. So if my voice gives out, I apologize. It's All Saints Day. All Saints Day is a day where we celebrate the saints who have come before us, right? It's where we recognize those who we love, those who we miss, those who are in heaven, those who have fought the good fight, who have run the good race and have gone before us into glory. All Saints Day is the annual day that we celebrate this. If you're a real stickler for the calendar, it's the first uh, day of November. It's November 1st, which is why uh, Halloween is the day before, right? All Hallows Eve before All Saints Day. Um, so anyway, this is All Saints Day. There we celebrate uh, the people who have gone before us in Christ, uh, the ones who have run their race. But in order to talk about this, in order to teach you what's going on here, I realized, I'm thinking, I actually think about these things beforehand, and I was thinking, in order to do that, we really have to have a deeper conversation of what faith is about, right? These are the people who, have, who had faith and who have gone before us, so if we're going to be talking about that, we have to talk about faith, and you might understand faith a little differently than I would ask you to, and so we're going to talk about that. If we're going to talk about faith, we need to talk about the community of the people of faith, and if we're going to talk about those people, that's the church, and let's try to, oh no, R-C-H, yeah, um, talk about the church, the people of faith, right, who they are, what we're called, what our expectation is to be, and before we're going to talk about that, we just have to talk about evangelism, right, what it is to be invited or included into the people of faith, uh, invited to join into the community. We've got to do all this, and we've got to do it on time, so let's motor. So, one of the things, I'm very evangelical, very evangelistic in the sense that evangelism just means good news, right? Euangelion means good news. So to be an evangelist is a person who shares good news with the world, right? And I am very evangelistic because for a long time, I was what I think is very poorly and inaccurately evangelized, right? And it didn't mean anything to me because the way that the Christian story was explained to me was just so bleh, right? So for example, I attended... I grew up and going to church uh, on and off throughout my elementary school aged years and my, uh, my childhood. And all I had ever understood about the Christian faith was that Jesus was the Son of God and he was very nice. And so you need to also be nice. And I was like, okay, that's it? That's pretty, I don't have to go back for that. That was easy, <laughs> right? That's all I had gathered that what it was. And then over time, uh, now I'm not attending church. 
and I am now being evangelized differently. Very few of these are in meaningful relationships. The kind of evangelism I am now receiving is much more the kind of evangelism that you receive from a person who is standing at the entranceway of your college when you're trying to go to class, or the kind of evangelism you receive from the kind of person who's putting things under your windshield wipers at Grapevine Mills Mall, and the kind of evangelism I was then receiving was, you are bad, nameless person who drives a Pontiac Firebird. Um, Probably, I'm kind of a firebird cool guy um you are bad god is very disappointed in you god is very angry at you god is so angry god had to kill somebody so god chose to kill god's son and if you say you believe this you will go to the good place into the instead of the bad place do you believe it and i'm kind of like well, i don't know i mean this is a helpful cartoon but it doesn't really answer all my questions all right that's the kind of evangelism i had received and if the question was is do you believe this my answer is I don't know. I, I, I kind of I kind of don't, actually. You know, I don't have a lot of information here, uh, but this, I got a lot of questions. I'm not really in. This is what I had uh, experienced of evangelism uh, for a long period of time, and then my life changed. My life changed because someone started to share good news with me in a way that was much different, and the person that shared good news would say this to me, God has always and everywhere loved everyone. And God made the world because God loved the world. And God made people because God loves people. And God wants nothing more than to exist in relationship with God's people. And because God wants this so bad, God doesn't force anything on people because God wants relationship, and a relationship has to be free. It has to be uncoerced. It has to involve free will. And on our own free will, we, in many different ways, some of us big, some of us small, all of us fall away at some point. God did not give up on us then. Instead, God joined us. God came alongside us. God came to announce that the way that the world is, the way that you think it's run, the way that you think dominates what it is to be alive or to be successful or to be good in the world, that way is done. I am doing a new way. Nothing you can do will stop it. Are you in? Do you receive this good news? Are you in onto a work that is so great and so complete and so unstoppable that crucifixion in the grave cannot stop it. Are you in? And for the first time ever, I said, yeah, I want to be a part of that. I want some of what these people have. I want some of what these people are doing. I want that purpose. I want that understanding. I want that life. I don't know what I believe, but I'm in on this. That's evangelism. That changed my life. So now you're included in, if you, if you say yes to this, if you respond to this, if you answer this, you're in all of a sudden a church, right? You're in the church. You're in the church universal. To say yes to the call of Jesus, to say yes to the good news, is to receive baptism, is to enter into the church, right? And it's worth pointing out exactly what Jesus is up to when Jesus starts a church. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 16 really quickly. Uh, it's page number 747 if you've got one of the pew Bibles in the back. A couple, over a year ago, we did a series uh, when the gathering was just a coffee pot in a dream. Um, we did a series called Who Do You Say That I Am? Focusing through all of the different ways that people, well, all the different names that people call Jesus, right? Basically, my thesis is your life in many ways boils down to the question, who do you say Jesus is, right? Is Jesus just a collective figment of our imagination? Is Jesus just a moral teacher from 2,000 years ago? Is Jesus some kind of Superman? Or is Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, God with us, the incarnate? Who is Jesus to you, right? 
There's a conversation that Jesus has with Peter, one of his disciples here in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the human one is? Caesarea Philippi is a city that's been named for the emperor and the emperor's prime agent of oppression, right? Caesar and Philip Herod. Uh, It's kind of like saying he's walked into the very heart of the world's power. He's walked into a mix of Washington, D.C. and the Kremlin and New York City all in one, right? He's walked into the very epicenter of worldly power. And then to his disciples, he turns and says, who do people say the human one is? That's how he refers to himself, the human one. Who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets, meaning teachers, meaning interpreters, meaning the kind of people who show us what God is up to. And then Jesus says to Peter, and what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then Jesus replied, happy are you, son of Jonah, because no human has shown this to you. Rather, my Father, who is in heaven, has shown you. I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock, Petros, rock in Greek, and I'll build my church on this rock, and the gates of the underworld won't be able to stand against it. God speaks to us through the reading of Scripture. Thanks be to God. So many times, Jesus asks people questions, and uh, and they give him an answer, and Jesus very rarely says back to them, you're right, right? That's just Jesus' teaching style. Very rarely do they give an answer and he goes, that's exactly right. But he says to Peter, you are exactly right. You are the, I am the Christ, which is the, the Hebrew would be the Messiah. The language would be the anointed one, right? Jesus, you are the anointed one. You are the son of God. God always anoints, meaning give power, meaning gives authority to someone who has a job to do right? God doesn't just anoint, God anoints with a purpose, right? Jesus's purpose is the coming of God's kingdom and the saving of all people and calling me the Messiah and calling me the son of God. Peter, you are right, and I will build my church on that truth, right? And now it's worth pointing out, uh, Jesus doesn't actually say that because Jesus does not speak English at this time. Jesus is speaking in Aramaic. Matthew, who wrote this for us, does not speak English. Matthew is writing in Greek. Matthew writes a word that transliterated uh, sounds like ekklesia. Ekklesia is the word that Matthew writes down. Ekklesia is a word that can absolutely faithfully be translated as church, right? As the church. I will build my church on that rock. Another way that that word can be translated is something like the faithful community or the gathering. (laughs) It's like we're doing it on purpose. Another word that's an extremely faithful translation of ecclesia is the community of the called. The community of the called. The community of the people who have heard this call from God, who have heard this euangelion, who have received this good news, and to the question, are you in? Will you be a part of this? Will you let this change your life and therefore the world? Are you in? The community of the called are the people who hear the call and say, yes, we are in. That is the church. 2,000 years ago, 500 years ago, today. 
That is what the church is, the community of people who hear the good news, who hear what God is up to through Jesus Christ and say, I am in. I'm not joining this social organization. I'm not joining this place with really cool towers and a great children's ministry. I am joining the community of the called. The community of the called, always and everywhere, sets themselves apart by their faith. Their faith. Their faith. And remember, faith is not just hearing a question and saying, yes, I believe it, right? Faith is keeping faith. Faith is trust. Faith is faithfulness. Faith is sticking with it when it gets hard or when it gets tough or when it gets unpopular or when it gets unlikely. That is faith. Turn, if you would, uh, to Hebrews chapter 11. This is our focus scripture for the day. Hebrews chapter 11 Uh, when I talk about different books of the Bible, I always try to explain what they are, what their genre is. Hebrews should best be understood as a sermon, right? It's kind of written like a letter, but really it's a sermon. It's a lesson. It's a teaching, right? Uh, Hebrews is a sermon to early communities of Christians, and one of the main themes of Hebrew, there's lots of different points uh, it touches on. These sermons are much more complicated and nuanced than mine, Uh, but one of the things they're trying to point on is to endure, You, the community of the called, you, the people who have heard the news and said yes, you, the people who have answered the question to are you in with a yes, you, the community of called, will face tough times, will face obstacles, will face difficulties. Keep the faith like the ones who came before you. Looking in chapter 11, uh, beginning in 11.1, it's not going to be here quite yet. We'll catch up on the screen in a second. Faith is the reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we don't see. The elders in the past were approved, meaning held in high esteem with God, meaning recognized by God, because they showed faith. And then he starts walking you through the history, right? Remember, you didn't just fall off a turnip truck, right? This is a long story of what God's been going up to. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice to God than Cain, which showed that he was righteous. By uh, Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he didn't see death, and he wasn't found because God took him up. Uh, verse 7, by faith, Noah responded with godly fear when he was warned about events he hadn't seen yet. 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. 11, by faith, Sarah received the ability to have a child, though she herself was barren and past the age for having children. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac when he was tested. 21, by, f- or 20, by faith, Isaac also blessed Jacob and Esau concerning their future. 21, by faith, Jacob, Jacob blessed each of Joseph's sons as he was dying. 22, by faith, Joseph recalled the Exodus. Verse 23, Moses. 24, Moses again. Uh, by 27, Moses. 28, Moses. Moses really racks him up. <laughs> 31, by faith, Rahab the prostitute wasn't killed within disobedience because she was welcomed in spies in peace. By faith, even prostitutes. Now, picking up on 32, what more can I say? I would run out of time if I told you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Through faith, they conquered kingdoms, brought about justice, realized promises, shut the mouths of lions, put out raging fires, escaped from the edge of the sword, found strength and weakness, were mighty in war, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they could gain a better resurrection. By faith, these people accomplished these amazing things, and yet by faith, people endured the difficult too. 2236. Others experienced public shame by being taunted and whipped. They were even put in chains and in prison. They were stoned to death. They were cut in two, and they died by being murdered with swords. They went around wearing the skins of sheep and goats, needy, oppressed, and mistreated. The world didn't deserve them. 
They wandered around in deserts, mountains, caves, and holes in the ground. All these people didn't receive what was promised, though they were given approval for their faith, meaning things were harder than they expected, right? It didn't automatically become easy for them because of their faith. God provided something better for us so they wouldn't be made perfect without us. Chapter 12, verse 1. So then let's also run the race, he says, to the people who are listening, that is laid out in front of us, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. One of my favorite images in all of the Bible. We have a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let's throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and fix our eyes on Jesus, faith's pioneer and perfecter. He endured the cross, ignoring the shame, for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him and sat down at the right side of God's throne. This writer in Hebrews, writing to this community of faith, right, writing to the community of the called, says, remember the thing that brought you here. Remember the thing that makes you who they are. Remember the thing that helps you endure success, failure, triumph, and struggle. Keep your faith. And faith isn't just belief. Faith is trust. Faith is saying yes. When asked the question, this is what God is up to, are you in? Faith is continuing to say yes over and over and over again. Saints is a big word, right? Well, I mean, it's a short word, but it's a big word. Saints is something when we think of, we think of the kind of people who have statues of them up on cathedrals, right? Our Methodist understanding of saints isn't something where people who receive a vote, right? People who get canonized. Saints are the people who have let God's sanctifying grace work in them. Saints aren't saints because they are better than us. Saints aren't saints because they are strong or perfect. Saints are the people who continue to let God's grace work in their lives every single day. They give those means of grace just another opportunity to be a little less of who they were and a little more of who God would have them be. Sanctifying means saint-making. God's grace makes saints. Today we celebrate. We celebrate the people who have come before us. We celebrate the people who have run their portion of the race. We celebrate the grandmas, the grandpas, the teachers, the neighbors, the pastors, the friends, the servants, everyone who has come before us. We give God thanks for them. The people that we love and we miss, we remember they are not gone just ahead of us. And we look at our own portion of the race we have now to run. And may their faith give us strength. May their example give us strength. May their lives give us strength. And may their witness lead us to answer the same question. The good news is that God loves you and everyone else. That God desires a relationship with you. That God is there for you. That God is there working in your life, not just to make you happy or a better person, but because God, through Christ, is all about changing this entire world, now and forever. That's the, God, the good news that Christ came to announce. That's the promise that the life, the death, and the resurrection assures. And that's the work that is taking place 2,000 years ago and right now. And so the question is, are you 
in. Please pray with me. Great and living God, this is All Saints Day. As the crowd, the crowd, the cloud of witnesses gathers in your midst, God, we give thanks. We give thanks that their tears are over, that their pains are over, that their work is over, and that they now and always will spend eternity with you, reconciled, redeemed, and one with their creator. God, we still run our portion of this race. God, we still face our struggles and our difficulties. God, we still face our temptations. Remind us, O God, that always and everywhere in the midst of this, you are with us, working alongside us, shaping us, molding us, if we would just accept your grace. God, you offer the chance for us to be in with you and with what you are doing. For those of us who made that commitment a long time ago, let this be a time of renewing. And for those of us who stand on the precipice, may you give strength guidance and assurance that being in with you is the best decision that we can ever make. It's here underneath this cloud that we pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.